today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. If the Lord is moving and working in your life and calling you to a particular ministry, a particular direction in your life. So many times, particularly we in our culture, we want to get the calculators out. We want to get the checklist out. We want to make sure in our own logic that we have everything that we need to be able to carry out what we feel the Lord is calling us to do. But you know what? The Lord does not work in our logic. He's not limited to our resources in any way, shape, or form. When we make plans for a trip, we usually make a budget map out our route, and then decide upon what activities we might be interested in doing while away. In today's message, Pastor David points out that the Lord's ways are not like ours. For example, He will usually send us out on missions for His kingdom with more questions than answers. Father God requires great faith and trust from His children. However, Jesus will prove Himself trustworthy time after time as we go forth to do His work on earth. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, On Mission. Chapter 9, we understand that the disciples have been with Jesus for some time now, some of them since early on in his ministry, some of them just uh, fairly more recently that they've joined in. They've they've been with him, uh, and they've been under his direct one-on-one instruction. It's pretty much they're they're spending 24 hours a day with him. They're walking together, they're ministering together, they're eating together, they're sleeping together, they're all, everything that's moving along with that one-on-one Uh, instruction. They've walked with him. They've learned from him. They've been trained by him how to minister to the people and how to care for the souls of the people of that area. As again, they've reached out to the multitudes. They've reached out to the one-on-ones. They've reached out to the sick. They've reached out to the lame. They've reached out to the demon-possessed. Just about every aspect of ministry that Jesus has ministered with and to the people, the disciples have been right there with him on that. They've learned how to do it by, again, seeing it and experiencing it firsthand in their lives. And thus far, as we've gone through the book of Luke, we've seen, again, that this time that Jesus has called these men, he's called them as disciples, he's recruited them into the kingdom's cause, he's recruited them for mission. For a mission, a, 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 a mission that God is going to work in and through their lives that still goes on to this very day that passes on even to you and I. Jesus has poured into these men for the time that they've been with him. They pour, he's poured into them his words, his, his prayers, his actions. And they've been, catch this, they have been students of the word of God from the very one who is the word of God. 
Now, how cool could that be? I mean, you know, uh, to, to be under the teachings of Jesus, even for a moment, even for an hour or a day, and yet for these guys, it's been for years, the very word of God opening up the word of God to them. Now, They've been found as faithful students. They, 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 they've, they've grown in areas. We understand, yes, that, that Judas is still there, but these men, all of them together, they've grown in understanding of what the teachings and what the ministry of Jesus is all about. And now he's getting ready to release them out, to release them to go out on mission, a mission for the kingdom of God. And so here we are, and we're Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, and if you'd follow along with me, I'm going to read down through verse 10. Then he, Jesus, then he called his 12 disciples together, and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, take nothing on your journey, neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece." And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by Jesus, and he was perplexed. Because he had said by some that that John had risen from the dead, and by some Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets had risen again. Herod said, John I have beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such teachings? So he sought to see him. And down in verse 10, and the apostles, when they had returned, they, they told him, told Jesus all the things that they had done. And then he took them and went aside privately to his deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. He sent them out on mission. They had the opportunity to go out. We don't know how many days they were gone. But they went out and they ministered according to what the Lord had told them to go. They had a mission objective. It was very clear, and, the, the, and their ability to be able to complete that mission was made available by the Lord Jesus himself when it says that he gave them power. He gave them authority over all demons and to cure diseases. The first thing we need to realize right away, gang, it's not our power, it's not our authority, it is the power and the authority of Jesus Christ working through those willing vessels. He's given them, again, the the objective to go out and to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. They know what they were supposed to be doing. And with the message of Jesus and the power of God working in and through their lives, they were to make an impact for the kingdom of God in the lives of those people that they came in contact with. That was their mission objective. And again, we need to look at the other gospel accounts to get a real clear understanding and a more detailed view of what was taking place here Um, in, in Matthew's gospel account. We also find that not only with this objective, but they also get a a clear mission direction, like where they're supposed to go to. In Matthew 10, you don't need to turn there, but you can mark it down. In Matthew 10, Jesus commanded them saying, don't go up by the way of the Gentiles. Don't enter the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
even as the church came to life, as we get into the book of Acts, we find out uh, as, as we're reading through there, Paul and Barnabas speaking to some of the Jews, they, they, they speak that it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken first to you. To the Jew. The message was to the Jew first. We understand that. A little bit later, the Apostle Paul writes in a couple of different places that it's to the Jew first and then it's to the Gentile. Yes, the Lord does have a special place for the people of Israel be it Goldstein or whatever the last name, he has a special place in his heart for the people of Israel. And we look at Israel today and we think, wow, how, how can that be after all of these things? And yet that is actually the testimony of showing how big of a heart God has for Israel. They still exist. They, they are a country uh, born from, from out of nothing. They've come back to life as a country. God still has a heart and a desire for the people of Israel. Do they recognize that? No, not in the fullness of what we understand. Do they realize that they've missed the Messiah? No, they're looking for something else. They're looking for a messianic age. They don't understand it. And that's why Jesus says, when we send this gospel out, don't go to the Gentiles, don't go to the Samaritans, go to the Jews first. Paul tells us that it's the Jews that have all the prophets and the commandments and all the teachings and the understandings, and yet they missed the Messiah. The mission for these guys right now is to go out and to share, again, the heart of God, the message of God, the kingdom of God with the people of Israel. So, here we see the disciples, they're given a clear mission objective, preach the kingdom of God to heal the sick. From Matthew, we realize they have a clear mission direction to go to the Jew only, and at this time, bypassing the Samaritans and the other Gentiles. And we also need to understand that there's mission resources here. Mission resources. If you're going to go out on mission, if, if you're going to go out and do the work that God has called you to do, there needs to be some kind of resources. You need to know what kind of gear to carry with you or what kind of gear not to carry with you. And so go figure. Jesus has a whole different plan than man does. You and I, if we were going out on mission, we'd have a checklist. This is what we need. This is what we need. This is what we need. We need an extra pair of those in case this happens. This happens. We need some extra of this in case that happens. That happens. We try and cover everything. But what does Jesus says, say here? He says, no, don't worry about taking an extra one of those. Don't worry about taking an extra one of those. No, that's sufficient. Don't bring any money with you. You don't need to pack any bread in your bag. You, you don't need anything. You just go out and you think, are you kidding me? Listen to what he says, verse 3 here in Luke 9. Jesus said to them, take nothing for your journey, neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. Do not have two tunics apiece. How in the world am I going to accomplish what you've sent me to do, Lord, if I don't take resources with me? There's a lot of speculation of why he told them not to bring any extra uh, resources or backup supplies with them. And when you first look at it or kind of casually look at it, it would appear like Jesus was telling the disciples, even don't, don't even bring your staff with you. He says, neither staffs nor bag. Don't, don't, don't bring a, a staff. You just go ahead and leave them at home. Take nothing for your journey. And yet we read over in Mark's gospel account that Jesus tells him, he says, take nothing for your journey except a staff. Don't bring a bag and no bread, no copper in your money belts. And in Mark, he says, but wear sandals and don't put on two eunuchs. 
So Luke uh, says that Jesus tells them, don't take your staff. And Mark comes along and Mark says that Jesus says, take your staff. And then Mark goes on to say, hey, make sure to wear your sandals. But then when we look over in Matthew, Matthew says, provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, no bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. So what are we to make out of this? Am I supposed to take my staff or not supposed to take my staff? Am I supposed to wear my sandals or am I supposed to go barefoot? What am I supposed to do on all of this? The best way to understand this as we put them all together is that Jesus is explaining to them, if you have one staff, that's enough. You don't need an extra one. You got one pair of sandals, that's enough. You don't need an extra pair of sandals. You don't need to bring with you a lot of stuff to burden you down, to, to weigh you down for this work of ministry that I'm calling you to. Again, these guys had sandals, they had staffs. It wasn't that they had to take their sandals off or take and leave their staffs. No, just take what you have. Take what's been given to you already and just be available to be used by him for the work of the ministry. Might ask why? why, why would this be that way? Why would it be so that in all three of the gospel accounts that speak of this, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that in all three of them, he says, don't bring any extra resources with you at all. I believe that the answer is found in, in Matthew's gospel account of the words of Jesus. He says, you don't need to bring any extra stuff for a worker is worthy of his food. There's a couple of things I want you to glean on here. Number one, if the Lord is moving and working in your life and calling you to a particular ministry, a particular direction in your life, so many times, particularly we in our culture, we want to get the calculators out. We want to get the checklist out. We want to make sure in our own logic that we have everything that we need to be able to carry out what we feel the Lord is calling us to do. But you know what? The Lord does not work in our logic. He's not limited to our resources in any way, shape, or form. When the Lord calls us to something where God guides, God provides. That's an old saying that has been around Calvary chapels for years, where God guides, God provides. And and we have seen that over and over and over. We've seen it in our personal life. We've seen it in the life of this ministry that God will provide if he is directing, if he is leading. But there's another area too that we look at. How does God provide? How does God meet the needs that are here? I believe that again, Jesus wanted these men to understand that God was going to supply their mission resources, but he was going to do it through those who had received them and their ministry. He was going to provide their ministry resources by those who accepted their ministry and their message, by those who had benefited from their ministry and their message. I believe that Jesus expected the people who were being ministered to that they would in turn then minister to the disciples in real and intangible ways. We find that truth again as we enter into the life of the church, as we get into the book of Acts and we get into the teachings of the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul gives very clear instructions of financial support for ministers. In talking to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5 about financial responsibility and financial support from those who are being ministered to by the gospel, Paul says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. 
especially those who labor in the word and in doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. The laborer is worthy of his wages. The very same words that Jesus spoke to the disciples as he sent them out. The very same thing. Speaking about that same idea, that idea of supporting those that are committed to ministry, laboring in word and doctrine. In 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us in chapter 9, he says, he talks about those who preach the gospel. He says, who goes to war at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? Do I say these things as a mere man, or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out grain. Now, he keeps referring to those in the ministry as oxen, and I'm not real sure about that, but uh, uh, that is how he brings it in. That's what the Word of God declares. But he asks a question. He says, is it oxen that God is concerned about? Or does he say it all together for our sakes, for our understanding? He answers his question. He says, he says, for our sakes, no doubt. For it's written that he who plows should plow in hope. And he who threshes in hope should be a partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? And then he gives an example from those that serve in the temple. He says, do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the holy things of the temple and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. So when Paul makes this statement in verse 15 that even so the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel, it's understood that he's referring to the very same principle that Jesus is sharing with his disciples here in Luke 9 and a little bit later in Luke 10 as well as in Matthew chapter 10 and also in Mark 6. So let's get back to the Luke 9 passage. Jesus continues on and he gives them clear mission instructions. In verse 4, he says, whatever house you enter, you stay there, and from there depart, and whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. My wife, Tot, and I, we served in Kansas City, Kansas, or Kansas City, Missouri for a very long season of our life. It's actually about a year and a half, but uh, uh, it seemed like a decade. Um, when, when we left there, this verse came to our mind. Shake the dust off of our sandals as we leave. So as we crossed the, what was it, the uh, Mississippi River and uh, came back home, we, I think we stopped, took our shoes off and dusted them off as we left. But that's a whole other issue we won't get into there this morning. We, we, we see here that all through the ministry of Jesus, some received his message and some didn't. How would it be not the same for his disciples as they go out? Some are going to receive their message and some won't. How would it not be the same for you and I today? And sometimes we share the hope of the gospel that's with us. We, we, we share the truth of the testimony of what God has done in our lives. And some will say, oh, that's fine for you, but that's not what I need. Oh, you, you radicals, you fanatics, you, you Jesus freaks, you, you, you've got a crutch. You, I don't have a crutch. I've got a whole hospital, okay? And, uh, and Jesus is the one, man. Uh, I, I have no problem with that at all. Some receive the truth. Some don't receive the truth. It happened in Jesus' time. Understand, it will happen 
in our time. And that's why he told his disciples, you know what? Don't, don't fret over that. Don't, don't get overwhelmed by that. That's just the reality and the truth. Some will receive the truth of the scripture, but many will not. And what Jesus is telling them, don't let it deter you from continuing on in the mission. There are others who will hear. There are others who will receive that truth. So meanwhile, back in Luke 9, the disciples departed, and apparently their ministry was a success. In verse 6, it says, They departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. What, a, what an awesome thing that had to be. Mark, in his gospel account, tells us that Jesus sent them out two by two. Two by two. Peter and James, John and Andrew, Bartholomew. Oh my gosh, I got partnered up with Judas Iscariot. Can you imagine being that guy, partnered up with Judas Iscariot? Now, for you, at that point in time, they thought that Judas kind of had it going. They, they thought that he was, he, was, he was a good guy. They had absolutely no clue. So being partnered up with Judas Iscariot, you might think that, wow, he's so much closer to the Lord than I am. He probably knows so much more. I'm so unworthy, unworthy, unworthy. Now, I don't think the disciples might have gone that way, but to understand, yeah, even with Judas Iscariot, they were partnered up. They went out, and yet, even through that, the Lord worked through them. Why? Because it was Judas's authority and power? No, because it was Jesus's authority and power moving and working through them. And yet, we understand, too, even as, again, they, they were able to preach the gospel, even as they saw healing everywhere, with every great mission work, with every work of God, you and I need to understand that the offense will come up, that the detractors will come up, that, again, those against the gospel will raise up, and we see the very thing here. Whenever the work and the word of the Lord is being done with success and lives are being changed, you know what? We're going to gain the attention of the enemy of our souls. And when the work of God is going, well, is going well, then you and I need to be guaranteed of the fact that strife is going to enter, that the enemy is going to try and get a foothold. And it happened during Jesus' time. It continues to happen in our time. All through the church age, there's been arisen these who take great offense at the gospel. They're detractors. They're, they're the ones that try to destroy that very work of God. They try to silence the word of God. They stifle the spirit of God. And while the disciples are out making these inroads into the lives of the people in the Galilean area, Herod, the Roman ruler of Galilee in that area, he got wind of the miracles. He got wind of the message of Jesus. And look what it says here in verse 7. Now Herod, the tetrarch, heard of all that was done by him, done by Jesus. And he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead, and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets had risen again. You, you got to understand, this guy is very superstitious. He's not trusting in God. He's so far from God, he'll fall into anything. And we see that so much today. People that are so far from the truth, they will fall for any lie of the enemy. Herod did not know what to think about this. He says in verse 9, John, I beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? It says, and so he sought to see him. He sought to see him. 
I'm sure he just probably wanted to have him over for coffee and bagels, you know, sit down and chat with him a little bit. Now, there was a purpose why Herod wanted to see Jesus. We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We meet Saturday evenings and twice on Sunday morning, as well as throughout the week. For more information about when we meet for worship, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced and God has given us a vision to see The Open Word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to TheOpenWord.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God richly bless you.